listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Task Group Taji Rotation 4, a combined force of Australian and New Zealand military personnel on a training mission here in Iraq. We're here at the request of the Iraqi government as part of Operation Okra, led by Joint Task Force 633. Operation Okra is Australia's contribution in the Middle East region to international coalition efforts against Daesh and their campaign of terrorism. Now this week, we're catching up with Private Sarchi Siri, who's a member of Health Company here, and she's an evacuation medic. So tell us first of all, Sarchi, what does your job involve? So I'm one of the evac medics here in Task Group Taji. I have two roles. One of them is going out to the range with our troops while they support and teach the Iraqi forces. So I'm just there to provide medical support to our troops and first aid to the Iraqi soldiers. I also then, uh, on a weekly rotation, will go to the Quick Reaction Force, which is just a standby job in case anything on the base happens. We're standing next to a protected mobility vehicle ambulance known as a PMVA. So tell us a bit more about this vehicle and how you work with the vehicle. So this is the vehicle that I will usually work out of. It's decked out pretty much as an army version of a normal ambulance. Just inside, it's just a little bit different to how it would normally be in a civilian one. So you can have one person laying down and four people seated, or two people laying down in an extreme emergency. And as we look inside here, there's lots of equipment. So talk us through the equipment that you're using in the PMVA. So every evac medic will deck their PMVA out a bit differently. I will usually have all my uh, emergency stuff on the one side so it's easy to access. And then I will usually have all my other bandages and PHCT, so your primary healthcare treatment drugs, just at the end, you know, easy to access if anyone else needs first aid. I also have my med pack stationed at the back so I can grab it and go if there's an emergency. And in the course of your work, how often would you actually need to use this kind of equipment? So over here at the moment, all the trainings are very, very safe. So, so far I haven't had to use uh, any of my emergency equipment, but I've had to provide first aid to one of the Iraqi soldiers uh, who had hit his head. So I just did a bit of first aid and educated the patient on how to look after themselves. And he was fine afterwards? <laughs> yeah, he was fine. He was very happy with the treatment that was provided. In terms then of your work as an evacuation medic, if you are needed, what happens? What's the kind of course of action that, that unfolds? So there's a bit of a process. Um, if someone gets injured, it'll usually get sent to us over the radio. And from there, we will go up and assess the casualty and determine what priority they are. So if they're one of the most serious priorities, we will then um, send an updated info of that patient back to the hospital where we will evac them back here where they can perform further treatment. Now in the Army we hear these different priority categories. We hear about priority one, priority two, priority three. We also hear about category A, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. What do they mean when you work in medicine as you do? So category Alpha and your priorities, they're pretty much uh, exactly the same thing. Uh, over on operations we use the category terminology. So a cat alpha is if someone is, their life's in danger. Cat bravo is serious life or limb injuries. And cat charlie is just your standard 24 hour 
evacuation time. So something not as serious as Cat Alpha or Brava, but they will need to be seen at the hospital. And how then does your job change depending on the severity of the injury? What are you going to be doing? What's going through your mind as you're making decisions about the kind of treatment that you should be offering? So if I was to get notified over the radio that I had a cat alpha on the ground, I would mentally prepare myself to what I would be expecting. Uh, get all my emergency drugs, all my emergency kit prepared, prepare the ambo as best as I can to then be able to provide the best possible treatment and evacuate them as soon as I can. Cat Bravo is pretty much the same thing. You can sort of relax a tiny bit, but you still want to evac them as soon as possible. Cat Charlie, you can usually look after these personnel on the ground and then take them back later on, back to the hospital. It has to be said, being here today, it's very calm here at the hospital. It's, it's very calm, very quiet. Is this a typical day for you? Uh, when I'm on the, the quick reaction force, yes, it's a typical day here at the hospital. It is very quiet today, which I'm sure everyone's happy about. So, yeah, just a normal day here. And when you perhaps have a busier day, what is a typical day for you? So we run through a lot of base-wide quick reaction force drills. Therefore, I get activated. I have to go out and go along with this drill. And usually there will be casualties for me to pick up and drop back to the hospital. But that's in an exercise scenario from the sounds of it. So you're not dealing with real casualties. It's a drill. Yeah, it's just a drill. It's just to put myself, the headquarters and the hospital to the test, just to know that all the right procedures are in place to provide the best care. And what are those procedures when you are trying to provide the best care, as you describe? So communication between the HQ, so the headquarters, myself and the Roll2 Echo, so the hospital, just ensuring that we all get the communication passed along efficiently so then that patient can have the best care and get them back here as soon as we can. So when it's not such a quiet, calm day, what's a typical day for you? So usually when I'm out on the range, it's a bit busier. I'll wake up around 5.30, head out to the range with the troops and wait for the Iraqi forces to rock up. Uh, once we're there, we'll spend around four or five hours conducting training with the Iraqis. Then we'll head back for an hour or two, have lunch, and then head back out to the range for more training. And whereabouts are you based at that time? Are you in your vehicle in the PMVA? So depending on uh, what training they're doing that day, I'll be told to stay in the PMVA. Otherwise, I'll get out, help out the trainers, talk to the Iraqis, and yeah, just generally hang around and see what I can do to help you out. In terms then of the interactions that you've had with the Iraqi soldiers, how do you find them? Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, they love us being here. Every time I've spoken to them, they seem very happy with the training that they have. And yeah, definitely no negative thoughts or emotions with us being here at all that I've seen. Do you get the sense it's making a difference for them? Oh, definitely. Yes, a lot of them are going off to fight the fight very soon and they said they are a lot more confident and heading out. And tell us a bit about your background then. What brought you to become an evacuation medic? When did you decide to join the army? So I was around 19 when I decided I wanted to join. Initially they wouldn't let me in as a medic, but I ended up working my way in and did an 18-month course where I received the student merit. So on completion of the course, I ended up being in Darwin at the first close health battalion at eight close health company. So from there, uh, I pretty much went out field for the first year. I was around six months away from home. And then this year was probably around three months. 
And then I started my force protection uh, for this deployment. So why did you decide to be a medic rather than have another position in the army? I think as a child I always wanted to be a paramedic or even a doctor. So yes, definitely the medical profession for me was exactly what I wanted to do. And, you know, very passionate about the troops that I work with and I wouldn't want anything else to happen to them. And if anyone's going to provide help to them, I want to be able to do that to the best of my ability. Are there any challenges with your day-to-day -day work? I mean, are there any times that you find things difficult? Yeah, there's definitely times where it's difficult, you know, especially over here being away from your family, um, being so isolated. You know, you can speak to them, but it's not as often and as you want. And sometimes you just want a hug from your mum. But, <laughs> yeah, I've got a really good team over here, so they're, they're very supportive. So when you join the Army as a medic, what kinds of training do you get and how does that training compare with what you might receive as a civilian medic? So we do do two civilian courses while we're on our employment training. We receive a diploma of nursing and a diploma of paramedics. So that takes around 12 months to get both of those. So the extra six to seven months that we have there is based specifically on medical, um, military medicine, sorry. And that's a lot of time training and doing scenarios to prepare us for what we've come to do over here. And have you found there are particular aspects of the job that you're particularly good at? Oh, I'm a big fan of uh, trauma and I also very passionate about military medicine and the way we do things differently to civilians. So our pre-hospital care is a lot different. Obviously wearing body armour, carrying a weapon and having a helmet on makes the treatment of a casualty a lot different to the civilian world. So yes, I enjoy that a lot more. Why is that? Why do you enjoy that more? Oh, it's a challenge. I have to challenge myself. It's not as easy as everyone thinks it is, dragging a 100 kilogram male to safety. All the while, a million other things going on around you and you have to think a lot quicker than you would in a civilian environment. You mentioned that you were awarded Student of Merit. So what is it about this job that particularly works for you? I'm very passionate about the troops here, like I was saying before. I just want to be the best medic that I can be because, you know, there's only one of me supporting a whole lot of our guys and they rely on me to do my job just like I rely on them to do theirs. And what kind of support do you have from your family? Because you're obviously away from home quite a lot. Yes, they're very supportive. They're happy that I'm here. They know that I've worked hard um, over my career so far. And, yeah, they're very supportive. In terms, then, perhaps of the military life here, particularly when you're deployed. How would you describe life in task group Taji rotation for to people back home? It's quite hard to explain because people already have a perception of what they think it's like over here. So whenever I try and explain it to my parents, they don't really believe me. <laughs> they don't understand exactly how my job works and I don't think most civilians will understand. It, it's not exactly how it's perceived it to be. It's it's very supportive by everyone around you. All the headquarters and everything, they're very supportive of us and you know they'll do whatever they can to make it easier trip for us. And into the future, once you've completed your deployment here at Taji, what are you hoping to achieve next? So hopefully in a few years' time, I'll uh, sit my GAMSAT to become a doctor. And yeah, if that goes down that pathway, I'll hopefully stay within defence and do some long-term schooling so I can stay within the army and provide even more care than I can now. So you want to be a doctor? 
Yes, love to be a doctor. So all the doctors that I've had uh, work with me since I've been in have been very inspiring and supportive of that decision as well. And what do you need to do to become a doctor? You mentioned some exams. So <laughs> what, what do you have to achieve? Uh, so first of all, you have to pass your GAMSAT, which is sort of your entry test. From there, you just start uni. You do a few years of uh, theory and practical working within the hospitals. From there, the army will give you a year or two working in a hospital before they'll bring you into the military environment. And why is it that you want to be a doctor of all the different jobs <laughs> you could pursue down the track? What is it about being a doctor that's particularly appealing for you? I see it as definitely another challenge. I'm all about supporting the troops and being a medic is great and all, but I can definitely make more of a difference being a doctor within defence. Private Saatchi Siri, thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Talscrip Taji, Rotation 4. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia. <laughs>